Welcome to The Weekly, a podcast brought to you by Calvary Bible Church. I'm your host, Jay Ewing, pastor on the Erie campus. Today in the booth, I got the legendary friend of mine, Thomas Milburn. Good morning, Thomas. What's up, Jay? How's it going? Doing really good. Yeah? Doing really good. Good. I noticed that we're both wearing Under Armour shirts. Yeah, you got to protect this house. (laughs) (laughs) Whatever. But the... (laughs) A main difference is you're drinking what looks like some premium, <laughs> beautiful coffee. And I went to the new gas station, Circle K. Yeah. This uh, this house blend. Yeah. Mm, it's delicious. It is delicious, isn't it? Right. I haven't tried it yet. I want to try it. But you're kind of a coffee connoisseur. We, this is the biggest beef with the weekly. We start, we start with coffee every time. And it's my greatest delight of the weekly. <laughs> coffee okay so i'm changing the subject real quick sounds good you did jury duty yesterday i did do jury duty you were a citizen of the united states yeah participated in the great act that all citizens get to participate in that's what they told me (laughs) (laughs) they said you are so blessed to be here today yeah as an american citizen think of the day that you will be in need of a jury and how would you want them to respond that I thought, I, I didn't kill anybody. <laughs> <laughs> Just kidding. My youngest boys, I, I think, thought I was being tried. <laughs> or something. I, yeah, like when I called them at the end of the yeah. day, I was like, hey, I've been released finally. They were like, all right, you're, you're out of jury duty. I'm like, I'm not going to jail. But I think they thought I was going to jail <laughs> yeah, yesterday. They've so, seen you probably do some crimes. So yeah. Like, yeah, it's about time he gets busted. <laughs> they were relieved when I got home. That's like, what do you think I was going to do today? Yeah, but that's really funny. No, jury duty is a, a wonderful thing to be tried by your peers. It's one of the first times in the civilization of the world that that has taken place. Yeah, yeah. We actually had a good conversation around the dinner table about it. Why? Yeah. Why? How important it is. How? And why we do it? That's right. Yeah, but even then, it's like. People want to get out of jury duty. Yes, They're, everyone wants to get out of jury oh, duty. Oh, man, I, you know, people. it's like, do I wear, like, politically affiliated materials? <laughs> like, what do I do to get out of this thing? This one lady, strong move, just <laughs> pro. She showed up with both of her young kids. Yes. And we're walking to the, into the room, and one of the ladies uh, who's in charge of the jurors, she just goes up to her and goes, oh, sweetheart, you can just go home. And I was like, solid. That was strong. Wow. I should have brought a couple of my kids. <laughs> Three out of four? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. We're like, guys, no, settle down. We're only going to be here for like eight hours. Don't yeah, worry about it. Yeah. They're We're like, doing our duty. We're doing our duty. Like, sir, you can go home. <laughs> oh, okay. Thank you. <laughs> so good. So good, man. Okay. So you did jury duty. You're back. You weren't selected on trial. I'm grateful for that. Me too. Speaking of things that are happening this week at Calvary, because you see the segue there. <laughs> the four <laughs> loose. <laughs> Hey, you want to go to CalvaryBible.com, click your campus, find out what's happening in your neck of the woods. Some really fun things are happening this month here at Calvary. One of them that we will both be at is the men's retreat. Yes, we will. Uh, October 21st through the 23rd. um, The spots are becoming limited, so sign up today. Once you hear this podcast, you need to pause the podcast and sign up if you're a man at Calvary. Were they always limited, though? Yes, but we're, <laughs> the spots are getting tight. <laughs> you need to be, be Is there. Is that a sales pitch? You know what? Yeah. We're going to also, we're going to broadcast from 
the men's retreat. You are? Yeah, man. We are. Oh, I'm on this thing too? <laughs> yeah, totally. Yes. I always wanted to make a podcast in the mountains. <laughs> so we're going to go live that day on, it'll be fun. Uh, we'll see what happens. It'll be great. We probably should have a third mic and some guys can come and ask us questions while we're podcasting. Yeah, that seems like a good idea. It's <laughs> <laughs> really confusing and hectic, doesn't it? No, Anyways, you want to go to CalvaryBible.com, find out what's happening on your campus. It's a great place to stay informed. Also, you can download the Church Center app. You can get the mobile bulletin, submit a prayer request, find a group, jump into a community here at Calvary. There's plenty of groups open for you on your campus, so go there today. I said that because Mark Wicks is in the room again. Oh, that's good. If you don't know yet, because you're listening to the podcast, we do have the podcast now on YouTube. Because <laughs> only your mom and my mom wanted to see us. <laughs> I haven't seen my son in months. I'm going to tell Kristen now, hey, you actually can watch the podcast <laughs> now. Congratulations. Really Congratulations. You know, we were wrapping up life group at my house on Sunday night, and uh, some friends were like, oh, man, you had a really funny comment. Yeah, yeah. And Kristen's like, what do you say? I was like, don't tell her. Yeah, don't tell her. She has to go watch the podcast. She's like, eh, yeah. it's not that funny. Yeah. <laughs> okay, I'll just clean the dishes and go to bed. Anyways, but no, we do, we are on YouTube, uh, so you can actually submit a comment down below there. Now, we'll start paying attention to them. And uh, Only thumbs up, positive comments, though. Totally, only thumbs yeah. up. We don't, we don't have the, the internal fortitude to handle criticism. <laughs> no doubt. So... Don't say anything that's not nice. Yeah, because we'll just quit the podcast <laughs> really quickly. All right, all right, let's get right. into it. Okay, so here we are. We're in Luke 7. We are talking about the centurion. Sorry, I don't know why I went with the S there, but centurion. Um, what is a centurion? Yes, a centurion, as we talked about, is a Roman soldier okay. who's kind of the backbone of the Roman army. Yeah. He oversees... A century, a hundred men. It may not be exactly a hundred; might be you know seventy-five to ninety. But yeah. you know, he's in charge of the training, the discipline, and like kind of the front lines leadership of the Roman army. Yeah, it's a big deal. It is a very big deal. In fact, it was um, in a pretty incredible position to be in in the Roman army to be in that care of those soldiers. Um, what is in your study of the centurion, like what sticks out to you in sort of Roman history about these guys that were like, this is really unique and interesting. Well, I think one thing that's super unique is that whenever centurions show up in the Bible, Mm -hmm. they're in positive light. Mm. Whereas like in the first century, I don't think any common Jew would describe a centurion in positive light. But when they show up in the Bible, they're kind of always spoken highly of. That's interesting. That is really a great insight, actually. Which is, Weird because the Pharisees, who the people probably would have put in positive light in their day, are usually spoken about in negative light in the Bible. Wow. So you kind of have this reversal of roles. Yeah, you do have this reversal of roles, which is really interesting. That's cool. I like that a lot. How about you? You know, What do you know about centurions? Well, they're the occupying force. So, you know, sort of think in our own world what that would be. Um, Probably hated because of the occupation. Uh, we looked it up this morning because we were really unclear of when they started to arc- occupy sort of Israel. And um, what was that? Probably about, you know, 100 years. They've probably been in some occupation between 80 to 110 years. So well-established. Established, yeah, generationally. Yeah, generationally. 
They're interesting because they show up quite a bit in the book of Acts. So the soldiers, mm-hmm. Rome, it seems like um, there's just a very uniqueness to them in that. Um, some save apostles from getting trampled in riots and, you know, other things. And some get saved. Some use get used to explain how our faith looks like, the armor of God. Yeah. Um, I think they're really interesting. A centurion here is unique because he's in really positive light because he has helped the Jews in his area. Maybe because of a political sway, right? Like if you're going to keep the peace, one of the things is find who's in charge and then help them. Yeah. Um, another part is that um, he does have a faith similar to ours more than probably any other character within Jesus' story because he never sees Jesus. Mm-hmm. And he believes. Just like we've, we haven't seen Jesus yet, but we believe. Yeah. So I think those are really unique. All right, so when you're in your life group, what were the big things that really like came out in discussion about hey, our real faith, who Jesus is, how do we respond from this episode? Yeah, there's a parallel, right, that you mentioned uh, on Sunday morning, but we're, we just got f- finished talking about loving our enemies, and then Jesus has to go love an enemy. I think that's really unique. Yeah. Well, it seems like that's how Luke is set up is, Jesus gives a teaching, and then Luke, who's giving this orderly account, then demonstrates his authority to live that teaching out. Because mm. it's one thing to say it, right? Yeah. It's another thing to say it and then prove it through action. And so Jesus gives a teaching, and then it's followed up by interactions with people that he then goes and shows this is how the kingdom principle lives out. You know what? I have never realized that with the book of Luke. So, yeah, he comes off the Sermon on the Mount. or You think about his inaugural address, right? Yeah. So this is good news for the poor, for the blind, uh, for the oppressed, and then all the miracles that are quickly in order are Jesus doing that. Doing that, yeah. So, yeah, that would make sense that he comes off and goes and addresses an enemy. Okay, so the centurion is in need of Jesus. Why is he in need of Jesus? He has a servant, and it's interesting because there's another account of this story found in Matthew where it, it more alludes to like he has a son, but maybe that's... The idea of his servant is so dear that he's viewed as a son in the household. Yeah. But some some party in his household is sick, and I'm assuming he has exhausted all of his normal resources. So right. he's probably talked to a doctor. He's financially paid for medicines, and nothing's working. Right. And so he hears of the accounts of Jesus and says, oh, man, if, if Jesus can do those things, he can heal the servant. Mm, that's really neat. So then he said, what's interesting in this story is I don't understand... I don't think anyone really does. Like, what facilitates the two delegations that go to Jesus? Mm-hmm. So one is the eldership. It, it could be the elders of the synagogue. It could be like the kind of the elders of the community. Mm-hmm. But some political public interaction. I was going to say that it's a political affiliation, yeah, probably goes and talks to Jesus about why the centurion is worthy of Jesus to come and do for him and heal the servant. And part of that is because he's built the synagogue and he is a friend of our nation. Mm-hmm. And you think of anyone who's in a political party, if if you are a religious minority and someone in political office has been favorable to you. You like that dude. Totally, right? Totally. So Always. you kind of show up going, all right, 
you, you've scratched my back. I'm going to scratch your back, so to speak. Yeah. So, hey, he's been really kind to us, and here's an opportunity for us to be kind, to reciprocate his kindness to us. Now, Rome, I mean, I'm assuming Rome is similar to other countries where they just see it as probably advantageous to give people religious freedom. Yes, they do. Now, you got to pay allegiance to Caesar, mm-hmm. but Rome prides itself on the multiplicity of gods. Yeah, Alexander the Great was responsible for that. Is that right? Yeah. Hmm. Yeah, it, I know that. it helped keep the occupation in at check, at bay, when you give at least a few freedoms that look like your culture. Kind of like jury duty. <laughs> not like jury duty. Oh, not like jury duty. Uh, know, okay, I, I got to really, this is this is only because this story was so powerful, impactful for my life, but isn't it Nahum? who is a soldier who has to go to Elijah. Yeah, so inter- interesting thing with this is he's pro- Jesus is probably in at least a nearby region of these two stories. So if you what? go back, really? now, now you mentioned that. Go back to Luke chapter 4. Okay. Um, and Jesus gives his inaugural address. Yeah. And so then he says, Truly, truly, I say to you, no prophet is acceptable in his hometown. Right. And he says, there were many widows in Israel in the days of Elijah when the heavens were shut up three years and six months, and a great famine came over all the land. Mm-hmm. And Elijah was sent to none of them, but only to Zarephath in the land of Sidon to a woman who was a widow. And there were many lepers in Israel the time of the prophet Elijah, and none of them were cleansed, but only Naaman the Syrian. And so what you have now in Luke chapter 7 is Jesus probably in that similar region, and He's healing a centurion, an occupying force. Mm-hmm. And then he, the next episode, we didn't get to in, in Erie, but I know Tom and, and John did, is the widow's son that's raised mm-hmm. just preceding this. And so you have Jesus actually living out again the prophet motif of Elijah and Elisha yeah. with the centurion and this widow. That's incredible, actually. Because I was going to ask you, where was this happening? And I was hopeful that you might know. <laughs> Sometimes it's hard to know where Jesus is in a certain yeah, story. and we'll see that next week. Like, which actually part of the Sea of Galilee did he cross? Did he yeah. go north or south? Some people think next week's episode is more by the De- De- Decapolis, yeah, um, which is on the east side, right, of the Sea of Galilee. So you're trying to kind of nail down some of these episodes, right? But the people of the day would definitely have known exactly where this was. Do you think? Okay, this is just conjecture, I guess. Maybe not helpful, but interesting to me. Did Luke interview the centurion? Yeah. I, I think it's fun to give some biblical imagination to that. Yeah. Now, when I say the words biblical imagination, it's not trying to think of Santa Claus, but you're trying to color in what would it have been like to be human? What would it have been like to be the centurion mm-hmm. with the biblical understanding of this is what has been revealed? Mm-hmm. So how long has he been trying to heal his servant? What motivated him to reach Jesus? What did he hear about Jesus? Who yeah. told him about Jesus? Yeah. Your imagination is one of the greatest gifts God has given you to read your Bible. It's good. It's, it's good. It's really try, good. Just to think through it. Yeah. It doesn't change the theology of it. Not at all. But, but it really colors have, in the story. Yeah. It, was there a blue sky? Was there green water that day when the sea was rough? You know, yeah. what are those things that actually help you think about Jesus' story and remember it? Because we're, we're, we're people of story, people of imagination. That's yeah. how we, those are the most interesting things to us as human beings. That's why we watch movies all the time and TV shows because our imagination gets seen on a screen. Mm -hmm. Yeah. All right, so in this story, 
I emphasized the centurion on Sunday. Yes. I think that was kind of the centerpiece. And it wasn't because of the amount of faith that he had, but the quality maybe yeah, and, of the faith, like what he recognized in Jesus, mm-hmm. which was distinct in that he recognized Jesus's power to heal came from his authority over disease. That's right. Right. And the humility, as you said, of the centurion to even put himself under this guy in yeah, this Jewish he, rabbi. Yeah, yeah that's not he doesn't even look politi- like a person of authority, does he? Yeah, he probably doesn't dress like the ones in right. religious authority in those days. So I think that that is what Jesus is marveling at. Hmm. And th- I said there, there are two stories in the Bible in which Jesus marvels. This is one of them. Okay. So he marvels at this centurion's faith that recognizes his authority and that Jesus can heal from a distance. So... Centurion says, you don't even have to come to my house. Just say the word. Like, you have authority in your words. Right. There's another story. Let me grab it. It's from Matthew 15. Or sorry, Matthew 17. Of a Canaanite woman. And she comes to Jesus. And she's, sorry, Matthew. No, it was right. Matthew 15. Let me pull it up. Yeah, Matthew 15. She comes. And it's from, so another person who's a Gentile and is not in the Jewish family. And she came while Jesus was having dinner and seated, and she's asking that uh, that he would heal her. Mm. And he says, "Well, I've I've not come for you know those outside of Israel. They don't, I'm not going to give the children's bread." Yeah. And she admits in humility, like, "But even even the dogs of the house will take crumbs that fall from the table." Right. And he marvels at her faith, and what's and what's done for her. What's interesting is both of them in humility recognize that Jesus can do something about their situation without even having to move. Yeah. Like she's like, but then you have to come with me. Like she recognizes that he's a position of authority. So I think that those two examples of Jesus marveling is something that reveals faith to us. Mm. So what kind of, I went away thinking, what kind of faith do I have? Mm -hmm. Do I have the kind of faith that recognizes Jesus and his words as authoritative in my life and the supreme authority over all of life? That's right. And, you know, one of the questions we asked in life group was, how can this encourage us to think about Jesus's power to do mighty things in our lives, even though he's not physically present today? Yeah. And sometimes we put limits on Jesus's ability, right? Because he's just not here. Well, I think that was, that was like Martha and Mary, right? When Lazarus dies. Right. What was their big objection to Jesus? He, if you had... Yeah, he hadn't shown up on time. Yeah, if you had been here, my brother wouldn't have died. They, they both tell him that. So what they think is the obstacle of Jesus bringing healing to their brother Lazarus was the proximity of distance. Mm-hmm. If you had been here, this wouldn't. And I think that's in my own mind too. Like, if God would have just shown up. But uh, apparently the reason I'm facing this is because God's absent. Yeah. And that's just not true. It happens in this next week's preach as well, Luke 8. Yeah. It, he doesn't show up on time. And so, yeah, what do you do with that? What do you right. do with Jesus being what's what we might consider absent? Yeah. You know, it's so cliche, but does God has God's timing, right? And sometimes we get really confused by it. By either it's you weren't there, it's too late. Do you think as just a normal human being who loves Jesus, do you think that's the hardest part about trusting God is his timing? 
You know, I was talking to a gentleman this past week, and we were both walking through some life situations, and I admitted to him that one of the, the hardest things about following Jesus is his timing, mm. because God never seems to be in a hurry. Like when yeah. I read the Bible narrative, he's never, in, he's never rushed to do something. Yeah. There's like long periods of time in which people suffer. There's long periods of time when he allows his people to be going through their own consequences of personal decisions mm-hmm. without him intervening. And then at his right time, he chooses to do something. Why is that? Is it because he knows already the end? I think he's not in a rush for my formation, mm. which is really hard because there, there's a lot of pain in that, right? right? So when he allows me to suffer for periods of time, yeah, it almost seems cruel, yeah, you know? Yeah. It's like, well, if you're going to heal me anyway or you're going to bring about a right, why do I have to experience so much wrong? Mm-hmm. Right. So we, we use this word on this podcast, and we've used it in the last year for sure. It's, it's your curriculum for life. Yeah, what we think of is, is all of our problems. Yeah. The Lord's it's, using it. It's like personalized curriculum. It is personalized curriculum. And, you know, we have kids in school, so that sort of that word picture really makes sense. There's a yeah. curriculum for their growth from kindergarten through high school, right? Yeah. To prepare them for life. There's a curriculum for the Christian life as well, and it is tailored to God's amazing power to see our unique identities. Yeah, which I think goes back to his authority. And I mean, I made this on Sunday. It's like I'm a person that has lived most of my life trying to get out from authority. Yes. From like parental authority to, you know, teachers at school, coaches, law enforcement. I mean, you just name it. Like I don't want any authority in my life. And so one of the questions that I asked was why would you want Jesus's authority? Mm-hmm. Because my experience with authority is it's always oppressive. Mm-hmm. And when you start realizing that Jesus, when, when he has full exercise of his authority, then you get to see the creation of life, goodness. You get to see blessing, inheritance, forgiveness, justice. Like that's what his kingdom brings. Mm-hmm. Like that's how he's, how he has described his kingdom. And so when we pray thy will be done, like, you have your way in my life as it's done in heaven. Meaning, would you exercise? Would you have the freedom to exercise your authority in a way where it's unhindered? Mm-hmm. And when it when that happens, like I'm the beneficiary of that. You get heaven. Yeah, I've been thinking a lot about that in this last season. Where actually, not only you get heaven, but you get the best life possible to live. Yeah, and that's a very unique thing where. Usually we believe that we can create the best life possible through our choices and our decisions. Yeah. And actually it's submitting under his authority that the best possible life happens. And to be experienced in some measure today. Yeah. There's this phrase that I don't know who gave it originally, but it got picked up by like every evangelical scholar, which is the now, but not yet. Mm -hmm. It's probably Dallas Willard, right? Like probably it's the kingdom is now but yeah. not yet. N.T. Wright talks a lot about the kingdom now, but not yet. Mm-hmm. Of like, we get to experience in some measure it now, but then it's not yet in the sense of complete, but one day it'll be complete. Right. Your boy Howard Baker changes that phrase and makes it better. He does? Yeah. I'm interested. And he, he says, the kingdom is now and it gets better. Wow. That's even a better phrase. Yeah. It's now and it gets better. Yeah. And I think that's where... When we look at the world and say, okay, Jesus seems to be so confrontational to how the world values almost everything right now. 
and you seem to be somewhat attacked by trying to hold on to Jesus's ethic, just hang on there. That's where the goodness of life is. That's living into wisdom. That is for my benefit. Mm-hmm. This is not prosperity gospel. No, that has no place for suffering. But this is, this is the reality of what Jesus came to do, and I want it in my life. And so I want His authority and His rule and His reign. And I've said this before, and you know, it's it's kind of another cliche saying, but like when I look at all my life's regrets, the things that have brought me pain and suffering, the things that I wish I could change, mm-hmm. when I look at all of those decisions. Not a single one comes from doing something this book tells me to do. That's right. Like there's never a time I'm like, man, then I followed Jesus and I was honest. And, and I then, s- and it was the worst ever yeah. worst decision ever. I wish I never did that. You know, yeah. it got get, it got me fired. Right. You know? It just doesn't happen that way. And it so doesn't. I want his right and good and beautiful reign in my life. Yeah. And it's not only for your benefit, but it's also for the benefit which we're finding out with the centurion and in the title of the sermon series is for the benefit of our neighbors. Yeah. It's good news to all people. That all people piece that just keeps popping up in, in Luke a thousand times over. Centurion is the beginning that that front door of the gospel message, like the kingdom's influence leap, leaving just the proximity of Israel. Right. And going to the world. It's interesting. Like you point out in the book of acts, you know, that entry point of the the kingdom to the Gentile world is often through military figures yes, it and is. political figures. Definitely. Who are adamant against what the Christians yeah, they believe. Yeah, yeah. They oppo- yeah, they oppose the, the And they accept it, which it is for all people. Like, there's no one. And so, anyhow, so I was done kind of preaching on Sunday, and uh, a buddy of mine, Chris, comes up. He's like, man, that was good. I'm thinking of the other characters in the story, mm-hmm. and I can't wait to get to my group today and talk about it. He said, man, I, I hope that I could be like the centurion's friends who rush to Jesus and petition him to help my friend, not because he's worthy, yeah, because he's unworthy. Mm-hmm. And he's like, there's just friends in my life right now. I'm just, I actually don't want to start praying for them more intentionally because of this story because I want to be their friend. Yeah. That maybe they're not even asking Jesus to come in their life. I'm just starting to pray like, Jesus, like they're not worthy. Right. They're not worthy for you to show up in their life. But Lord, I want you to. So can I be their friend? who knows Jesus and starts petitioning Jesus to show up in their life. Oh man, that's some truth like, that's from good. Chris, man. That's really good. Yeah. It's really good. I have to think about that. I have to move in prayer that way. Cause that that's really true about that story. Okay. We're going into Luke eight. Yeah. We're going to continue this conversation of authority in some really powerful ways. Yeah. Some really powerful ways. We had a really good staff devotion yesterday while you were at jury duty. That's about good. Luke eight. Yeah. Jennifer Rubel led us through just, a wonderful staff devotion that I just took a lot of joy out of. Man, how great is it to have Jennifer on staff? Yeah, it's great. She's now the director of women's ministry. Yeah. Kathy has retired. She's yesterday got on a plane to Scotland. <laughs> <laughs> She's out of here. Man, you know Kathy and her golf. <laughs> She's hitting the links. No, wait. They're going to hit up every historical monument and museum. Yeah, she's she's quite the historian. Yeah, so, but, you know, Jennifer just led us through these episodes in Luke 8, and I thought, gosh, these are just people that I know in Erie. Yeah. I just had faces on these people that were encountering Jesus, and I just loved it. Yeah, we. if, if you haven't read Luke 8 yet, jump on Luke 8 yeah. and, and just observe this one thing. When Jesus speaks his authority, what happens? Okay. Like just, just look at when Jesus 
exercises authority, what happens in people's life. And this is why you need a red letter Bible. <laughs> Where did Jesus speak? Oh the gosh. red letters. Oh, there, 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 there they are. They're so, so helpful good. for me. Man, They're so helpful for you're me. You're so NIV positive. <laughs> All right, we're out of here. Hey, Calvary, thanks for listening today. Thomas, thanks always giving up your time to sit down with us. If you're on YouTube today, it's great to see you. I'm glad you're watching us. If you're on podcasting channel, whatever it is, podcast, Spotify, whatever that one is, give us a five-star review. We would love to have only five-star reviews, right? Only five-star reviews. And always, you can write us at theweekly at calvarybible.com. Leave a comment on the YouTube channel. And if your mom, my mom, just give me a call. (laughs) (laughs) My mom doesn't know this thing exists. (laughs) See you guys.